Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Monday morning, April the 10th, 2023. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL with you. Certainly hope you and yours had a tremendous holiday weekend. It certainly was a great one at Casa de Ryer, surrounded by friends and family. Certainly a great sense of appreciation for all the opportunities that we've been afforded in this lifetime. And it was a big Sunday for pro golf fans as well. You had Masters Sunday in Augusta, Georgia. What about that finish to round three earlier on Sunday and then into the final round on Sunday afternoon? The Spaniard on the birthday of Seve Ballesteros. John Rahm gets it done in impressive fashion. You had that live contingent making that push, didn't you? What about Phil Mickelson with the final round 65 at the age of 52, and also Patrick Reed right there in the mix from the live perspective. And Brooks Kepka looked to be in great shape with that four-shot lead there heading into the midsection of Sunday morning's finish to round three, but Brooks couldn't maintain it. John Rahm just rock solid, and he picks up his second major championship as a professional golfer. Not such a great event for Justin Thomas. The former Alabama standout fails to make the cut, which in turn allowed, really, Tiger Woods to make the cut. Unfortunately for Tiger, though, the injuries continue to be so much of the storyline for the veteran, and he's forced to withdraw there on Sunday. Had that plantar fasciitis flare up. If you've ever had that, man, that's debilitating, and that's to go along with all the other issues Tiger is dealing with now into his late 40s. So a lot of it, you hope, isn't the arrival of ceremonial status for Tiger Woods where competitive golf is concerned, certainly in relation to the PJ Tour. I can envision a scenario where if Tiger is given a golf cart and maybe on the Champions Tour, he can still be very relevant to winning at that level. But right now, it's just going to be tough, it seems, for the all-time great. Tiger Woods. So what we're going to do on this Monday morning is we're going to get into five questions for the Crimson Tide. And what that will entail is some Alabama softball, some Alabama baseball, some Alabama men's basketball, and also some Alabama football as well. And what we'll do is we'll go five through one and we'll start with question number five for the Crimson Tide. What is the margin of error for Alabama softball in SEC play right now. Well, at 6-6 six and six in the league, 
after winning two of three from South Carolina over the weekend, I'd say the margin for error is pretty small. With the current pitching construct, the Crimson Tide essentially needs to win every start Montana Fouts makes in the circle. And that has as much to do with Alabama's offense as it does the depth it has beyond Fouts, who has been absolutely dominant of late, tossing shutouts, including a no-hitter, in three of her last four starts. And really, you ain't got good enough efforts from Alex Salter in a win at Tennessee a couple weeks ago, and even again, most recently, from Jayla Torrance in relief of Warren Essman in Game 3 of the series against South Carolina on Saturday. Ultimately, though, if you get seven runs from the offense in 22 innings of any series, two of three is going to be the ceiling for you in most instances. And that was the case for UA against South Carolina over the weekend. In today's SEC, look, you never turn your nose up at a series win. After opening league play at 2-4, and four, this was a stretch of the schedule where you figured Alabama could make up some ground when you got into Missouri and you saw South Carolina and Tuscaloosa and you go to Mississippi State this next weekend. One difference, though, between being a top eight national seed and hosting throughout regional and supers and going on the road and one or both of those is that those two or three series that you win that you don't sweep, those are the three, four, or five wins that end up being the difference in a team being 14 and 10 in the SEC or 12 and 12 in the league or 16 and 8 or 18 and 6. And it's the latter scenario that typically brings back a top eight seed. The former translates to going on the road in supers. And that's why something less than a sweep of Mississippi State and Starkville during the upcoming weekend will probably be unfulfilling to a lot of Alabama fans. Again, between Missouri, South Carolina, and Mississippi State, Alabama is winding down a stretch of three SEC opponents who are currently a combined 10-27 and 27 in the league. For now, anyway, this club feels a little like the 2018 team when you had Alexis Osorio leading the way in the circle. Alabama went 12-12 and in SEC play that season and found itself in Seattle in the Supers where it dropped two straight to the Washington Huskies. Question number four for the Crimson Tide. Will Alabama baseball win another series after dropping two of three to a Mississippi State team that arrived in Tuscaloosa with a 1-8 record in SEC play? Alabama has now gone five straight weekends without a series win. you got to go back to a sweep of UIC in early March to find the last series W for Brad Bohannon's club. The good news? Alabama hasn't been swept in SEC play to date. The bad news? In faltering in late-inning situations in each of its four series to date in conference play, it hasn't taken a league series either. Dating back to Columbia on March 10, Alabama has now dropped Game 1 in four of its last five weekend series. Look, it's tough enough to win in the SEC in just about any scenario, but consistently losing games with your Friday pitching setup in play would seem to be especially problematic. Now, if you've got legitimate depth, probably not so much. You can look at the College World Series for more on that, as three of the last four winners overcame Game 1 losses in Game 1 of the Championship Series to win national championships. But closing out opponents 
was an issue once again for Alabama against Mississippi State. As the Crimson Tide saw mid-game advantages in two of its three matchups with the Bulldogs slip away. Here's a stat for you. You might want to actually turn down the pod at this point. But in the two losses to Mississippi State, Alabama was outscored 13-4 from the seventh inning on. With 4-8 and eight in the SEC, Auburn set to visit the Joe starting on Friday. Maybe this is the weekend that sees UA get that elusive series win. With a trip to Mizzou set for the following weekend, Alabama baseball is in a stretch similar to the one Alabama softball currently finds itself. In other words, the postseason viability of both clubs hangs in the balance. Question number three. How full is Nate Oates's plate right now? Well, it's kind of like mine when I stop in at the SNS cafeteria there in Macon, Georgia. I think they actually have two locations, by the way, in Macon. Love them. I start with those salads, you know, in the line. Then I go straight into the desserts, maybe get the custard cup. Then I swipe an entree. A lot of times it's that country-style steak with the rice and gravy. Then I'll pick out two or three sides, maybe some, I don't know, cabbage, some fried okra. Then I'll throw on some crackling cornbread and a drink. And by that point, there's no room for my tab even on the platter. Well, with Charlie Henry, Brian Hodgson, and Antoine Petway landing head jobs, Nate Oates has to replace the entire on-the-floor staff that he's had in his time at Alabama. And what a run for that trio, right? I mean, when you think about Alabama's biggest moments in basketball, Pet's synonymous with all of them. His winning shot against Florida to secure an SEC title as a player. He was a member of the lone Elite Eight team in Alabama basketball history as a player. SEC regular season and tournament titles two of the last three years as an assistant. I mean, that's pretty much unmatched, right? So Oates has staff hirings to make. And according to Jeff Goodman on Sunday, it sounds like Nickel State head coach Austin Clunch is very much in play for one of the three on the four spots. And there's also roster management to juggle with the transfer portal and NBA draft slash pro basketball decisions at the top of that list. In addition to Jaden Bradley and Namari Burnett hitting the transfer portal, Charles Bediaco, Mark Sears, Javon Quinterly are all going through the draft process. And really, the approach makes complete sense for all three of those players. You're afforded opportunities to get feedback while leaving open the possibility of returning to school, so why not take advantage of it? With Bradley in the portal, biggest concern I have right now is on the ball. If Quinterly comes back, a lot of that goes away, but if he leaves, the portal likely becomes even more important. It's not ideal for Nate Oates, but it's not the worst problem for a coach to have either. I mean, if you've got guys making pro decisions, it means you're probably hitting on your avals and recruiting, both where grassroots and the portal are concerned. And if you got guys moving on to the professional level, it helps attract future pros, which is what it all goes back to, really. If you're keeping up with things at BamaOnline.com, you know we're tracking some portal targets, including forward B.J. Mack, previously of Wofford, and Cal State Fullerton combo guard Latrell Wrightsell Jr. as well. To be sure, between the coaching staff and roster additions, it should be a defining week or two on tap for Nate Oates. Question number two. 
level of concern for the Alabama defense following the first football scrimmage of 2023 spring drills? Well, I don't think it's time to panic. I mean, you had attrition and that had an anticipated impact on a veteran unit from 2022, no doubt. You combine that with absences of Kool-Aid McKinstry, Dallas Turner, and Chris Braswell, along with a couple of new assistants, and it has been the equivalent of speed dating on that side of the ball over the last month or so. For me, moving forward, keys are inside linebacker and safety sub-package roles. Ultimately, I think the perimeter will be fine. Not that the younger guys won't push, but as evidenced by the additions of Trez Marshall and Justin Jefferson. It seems clear that Alabama felt the need to stay old at inside linebacker. You have Deontay Lawson ready for the fall. That's your biggest concern right now probably to go along with the newcomers at inside linebacker. And ultimately, you want to have no fewer than three guys that new position coach Robert Bala and new defensive coordinator Kevin Steele feel really good about not just in terms of physical ability either but will the next wave be able to make calls while also performing at a high level post snap that's where they're hoping in all likelihood that the maturity added via Marshall and Jefferson might bridge the gap to guys like Jihad Campbell and Sean Murphy and hey if those younger guys prove too good to keep off the field all the better Regardless, competition at the spot is better with Marshall and Jefferson in the mix than without them. Hopefully, they'll add some things from an intangibles perspective that the position might not have enough of otherwise. As for safety, we heard Nick Saban talk about Malachi Moore and Caleb Downs after last Friday's scrimmage. Downs pushing at the spot doesn't come as a surprise, but there are others to consider here as well, including veteran Christian story. As for Moore, his ability to bounce between safety and star is a blessing. If he's needed at star, though, someone else will need to prove trustworthy where making calls and checks on the back end are concerned. Saban also mentioned second-year player Earl Little Jr. at the star position, so a best-case scenario might involve him nailing down that spot and freeing up perhaps more to spend more time at the safety position. Either way, You're going to need six game-ready defensive backs on a weekly basis. And while that has entailed four safety types in recent years, there have been plenty of others when the split between safety and corners in those roles were three and three. The reality is this. With more firepower on the way this summer, we probably won't get a more clear picture of what this defense can be until week two when Texas visits Bryant-Denny Stadium. All due respect to Middle Tennessee. But an offense that ranks 78th nationally in 2022 and is also undergoing quarterback transition this offseason, well, the Blue Raiders might not tell us much in that regard. If it does, well, the anxiety level for the UA fan base pre-Texas might ratchet up a notch or 12. Question number one. What are the chances the starting quarterback job is settled heading into game week? As far as settling on a long-term option at the spot, Nick Saban is probably as close to making that call as he was in, say, 2011 or 2016. Those were seasons that got underway with at least some mystery surrounding unproven candidates at the most important position on the field. With more of an eye on 2011, A.J. McCarron was the choice over Phillip Sims by the time Alabama traveled to Penn State in Week 2. 
even if Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson gain some separation following last Friday's scrimmage, there is zero value in Saban making that known to anyone at this point. He's not just managing the situation for the short term, after all. There are big picture roster management concerns in play here as well. Following Friday's scrimmage, Saban was complimentary of the offense in general. He seems pleased with the direction the unit as a whole is taking under new coordinator Tommy Reese. So maybe more so than the competition between Milrow and Simpson, those are the things, those are the comments that should have been the biggest takeaway from his post-scrimmage talk. After all, Alabama wasn't good enough around the quarterback in 2022, not just in terms of personnel either. If it is better in 2023, and what we've heard from Saban on multiple occasions now points to that being the case, the Crimson Tide should be fine regardless of who wins out behind center. Of course, that won't do much to slow inquiring minds. Given that the starting quarterback job at Alabama is one of the most scrutinized in sports, it's understandable. One upcoming scenario that will attract a lot of attention will be how Saban goes about working his top two quarterbacks in the A-Day game in a couple of Saturdays' time. Will both Milrow and Simpson work with the first-team offense on A-Day, or will there be separation in that regard? Back in 2011, if you recall, Saban had McCarron and Sims as the quarterbacks for the Crimson and White team, so that might be something to look for this time around, too. Hey, we still have a scrimmage between now and A-Day, though. And we'll provide you with as much coverage as possible right there with us at BamaOnline.com. You need to hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Crimson Tide fans around the globe right there at BamaOnline.com. If you haven't subscribed to the Bama Online podcast right here, we hope you'll consider doing that as well. If you would leave us a rating and a review, that would be greatly appreciated Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us, not only at BamaOnline.com, but right here on the Bama Online Podcast. Stick with us at BOL, and until next time, so long, everybody. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.